Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. The life of a successful YouTuber can be quite spectacular. So guys, are you ready to meet John Casper? Just looking back, it was so much fun, really. We got to travel. Joe, did you ever think like two years ago when you were on a roof thatching that you would be driving around Europe in a camper van with like the coolest South African in the whole world? Hang out. Hi, my name is Casper Lee and I'm here with my new friend Kevin Hart. How you doing? Uh, do some really random things together and film it. Don't, no, no, I'm not gonna let you do an outro. Mission. I'm not letting you, know, I'm not letting you do an outro. Mission accomplished. I'm not letting you do an outro to you. Go okay, and do I'll just do it later. This is an invitation to meet Casper Lee, one of the first social media influencers and one of the biggest of all time, a veteran of the game. He's 27 years old. So look, I, I started in 2010, so kind of a, a great grandfather when it comes to the internet. Yeah, I don't know, I mean, I'm in this weird situation where I'm quite old in a, in a field whilst remaining quite young. Casper's now an entrepreneur, co-founder of the Influencer Marketing Company. So this is a story about what happens when you become a huge success of something what do you do next? When you've done anything in life for 10 years, especially when you're young and you want to try something else, definitely definitely try other things. And if you find that makes you slightly happier, then go for it. I'm David Marsden from The Evening Standard. How do you know when you've really made it? Is it when you buy the big house? Is it when your bank manager actually takes your call? Is it when Hollywood calls you? From Paramount Animation and Nickelodeon Movies. Why is this here? Three years ago, Casper Lee and his mate Joe Sugg, at the height of their YouTube success, starred with Mila Kunis in Wonder Park. Let me put three years in perspective for you. TikTok had only just launched outside China. It's a lifetime in social media. And during the press rounds for that movie, Casper says something that with hindsight, I think is quite interesting. I think it's, yeah, I think there, there's a lot of talent on YouTube. Not saying we are those, but I think you'll see a lot of talent uh, rise up and do things like this. He really wasn't talking about himself. Not long after this, the Casper YouTube channel stopped being updated. The man behind the brain freeze challenge who got Chloe Grace Moritz to pretend to be his best friend and Cara Delevingne to show him her underwear. The man who could rack up 11 million views an episode and bag countless huge brand sponsorships walked away from a juggernaut. And when we meet him, the first thing I want to know is why. Bear that three-year-old clip you just heard in mind. First of all, Casper, I think 
the question has to be, you've got this company, Influencer. It's working with major brands. It's working with major social media influencers. Why did you decide to do that and not continue with YouTube? So, yeah, it wasn't a decision in the beginning to kind of quit YouTube and do this full time. But essentially, I realized after a few years of doing YouTube, maybe four year, four or five years ago from now, and I'd already been doing YouTube for about five years at this point, that 90% of my revenue was coming through brand collaborations. And these brand collaborations were really useful for myself because I was able to fund my content. My audience also liked them when I was working with brands that I love to work with. But I didn't find that there was enough choice out there. And I also didn't feel like the brand collaboration space within influencer marketing was that transparent. It was kind of like a cowboy world. I just felt that if we had a platform that could connect the two, you know, the creators uh, and the brands, we could help them do campaigns more efficiently. And also always wanted to be an entrepreneur myself. I think creators in general are fairly entrepreneurial because, you know, usually they're, you know, a one person band doing the editing, doing the uploading, trying to source brand deals and, until they get a manager manager or something like that. So always been quite entrepreneurial and, and felt that if I could help do this for loads of other creators, I could provide some value and, and build a company. But was that not quite scary for you, Casper? Because you've built up effectively a brand in yourself, Casper Lee, mm. and then you've walked away from it. So yeah, at the time, I was still creating the content. But as Influencer evolved, I kind of figured out that I was both enjoying doing Influencer more, and I felt that I was also creating more value for other creators and you know, I, I can still upload to the internet whenever I want, but I think YouTube itself is a full-time job. I think the other platforms are, are slightly less strenuous when it comes to time commitment. Not for everyone, of course, but I, I definitely needed to spend a lot of time because I didn't have a natural talent. So I would, I would have to work extremely hard to, to keep up with everyone and, and to create the content that my audience deserves. So it got to a point where influencer as an opportunity as an entrepreneur, became slightly uh, more important in my life at that stage. And I didn't feel like it was good to be doing YouTube half-heartedly, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's just talk about Influencer. Yeah. Hey, we're Influencer, the company making waves in the world of digital media. What is it? And it already existed, didn't it? You joined the company. Yeah, so... I am a co-founder, however, there, there was an original founder who had an incredible idea. His name is Ben Jeffries. He's, he's slightly younger than me. At the time, he was, I think, 21 years old, just on the verge of dropping out of university. And he had this platform. It wasn't, I wouldn't say the most sophisticated technology in the world, but I was impressed with the fact that he had Influencer.com as a domain. He had already started working with some brands. He had some creators signed up, and I felt like I could connect him to more creators uh, and therefore bring on more brands and then scale our technology. That kind of was the start of a great friendship and partnership. And I just remember being told by someone in the industry, you might be cannibalizing yourself because if you're launching a platform that helps smaller creators and, and, and creators in general connect to brands in this way, 
it might mean that those brands won't want to work with you as much because there's going to be way more creators for them to work with. And I and I said to the person, if if I can do this, then look, yes, I feel I'll feel good because I'm I'm helping other creators. But at the same time, if if I got to a scale where it was actually cannibalizing my own revenue streams, it means it will be doing well enough for it to be a new revenue stream too. Is that what's happened, Casper? We could say so. It's it's gotten to a point where I'm I'm very proud. We're we're, we're closing in on a uh, on a hundred members of staff around the world. We're working with some incredible brands and agencies, and we're building some unique technology that there there's there's there are a lot of other companies out there who who are building technology as well who 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 might even have a, a, a larger developer a development team. But we're building some technology that's that we believe is super useful for the space based on our own experience doing thousands of brand deals with, with agencies and brands and creators and so yeah we're, we're in a good space at the moment it, you know it's not always easy with with a company there's a lot of ups and downs at the start of lockdown we didn't know which way it was going to go because a lot of agencies and brands kind of turned off the taps with the, when it comes to marketing uh, and influencer was was one of the first things they shut off as a line item on the budget, influencer marketing. But then we soon found that they started relying more on influencer marketing and seeing it as 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 a as a bigger part of their marketing budget. And it's kind of fast forwarded the whole industry by five years. So it was very difficult like for many, you know, companies, but we were extremely lucky that it also became a way in which brands discovered the power of influencer marketing. Uh, while they weren't doing their other forms of of marketing as much. So I want to talk about influencer marketing a bit more, but something you mentioned there just kind of piqued my interest. You said that Ben was 21 years old when this started, and you can only have been, well, like maybe 25? Yeah. Being so young, the two of you, was that a difficulty when you were looking to look for parts of financing, for example? Did people go, what do these guys know? Despite being effectively a kind of founder of social media influencing itself, what are these people thinking? These guys are too young to run a business like this. You know what? I think in our space, it probably was an advantage. I think when it comes to raising capital in general, it is difficult when you don't have experience and people do want to back people who have, have already done it. And, and you know, age sometimes is, is a factor. But I think because we had the experience of understanding the creator economy, understanding influencer marketing and, you know, my, you know, myself actually being a creator doing this and had been doing it for many years beforehand... And couldn't have been doing it for many, you know, no one else could have really done it for longer, if that makes sense, because it didn't really exist before. I mean, there were you know, there were a couple of years before I started making YouTube videos where where people were doing it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a professional job or anything. So that kind of played in our favor. And I think when it comes to raising capital and going to investors and so on, it, it is helpful if they don't maybe understand it as much as you, especially when you're that early on. So I, I think you're seeing that in, 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 in influence marketing, the creator economy, you're seeing it with crypto, NFTs, you're seeing it in a lot of spaces when it comes to raising capital. And I, and I think that's why there is a massive opportunity. Um, and then following on from that, I think being young in itself sometimes gives you the flexibility and maybe the ability to take the risk to launch a company. Yeah, I've got a slightly different problem, Casper. I'm 45 and everybody thinks I'm going to die soon. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Come on. Maybe uh, there's a sweet spot. That Oh gosh, that that's the terrible thought. 45. 45 is the new is the new 25. <laughs> <laughs> 
did you find it difficult to adjust to working with a partner having built yourself up effectively on your own as you said being a youtuber is it's kind of a lonely place i guess for some people and then having to work alongside someone else and get agreements with each other on, on how you're going to move forward was that an adjustment or was it easy so i have this strategy in life where i realized pretty early on that i didn't have these incredible gifts that some of these people i've come into contact with have in terms of maybe being extremely intelligent or or really funny or, or 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 you know good at what they do i've always been kind of mediocre but something i was good at is is finding the person who's really good and somehow getting them to help me with my homework or getting to them to help me with my content or collaborating with them so i think youtube taught me that you can reach out to people and if you collaborate with people it can kind of double what you're already doing. I mean, you could do a video and you, you guys say subscribe to my channel, subscribe to this person's channel, and that and that helps you both channels grow. And so I, I've kind of just used that uh, strategy ever since. And I could never do these things on my own. I, I think, you know, having any sort of startup is incredibly difficult. So having a co-founder is really helpful and partnerships for me is, is just been, it's been amazing. And I'm so fortunate that people want to be my partner. And I feel like now when you have some success with certain partners, you then offered more opportunities and hopefully I can just keep going and, and continue to ride off of the back of other people's very, very hard work. I think you might be being very modest there. <laughs> That's what I'm sure there's a lot going Well, thank you. No, I will. I mean, I will take credit for, the strategy itself and always being open and and happy to meet people and believing in other people and you you are going to have to take a bit of a gamble with with people because usually if they're asking for you to work with them they might be slightly earlier than you would like because if they're coming to you and saying this is an idea i want you to help me with they're usually slightly behind and if you if they were ahead of you they probably wouldn't be coming to you with that idea they'd be going to someone else who's ahead of them so you kind of got to learn how to how to find people you believe in and it's it's just like investing i suppose uh, but instead of investing money we're, we're investing time let's take a break afterwards we're going to talk more about casper's career and get his advice for wannabe influencers now while the ads are on and i hope you're listening to them Go have a look at the Evening Standards water cooler event that's coming up at Olympia London on May 25th and 26th. It's free. You'll get to see more than 100 experts talk about workplace well-being, things like mental health, environmentalism and inclusivity. Go to watercoolerevent.com for more details. That's watercoolerevent.com. We're back in a sec. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You uploaded your first YouTube video around about 2010. Would that yeah. be right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we won't talk about those early videos. Those are those are awful. I hope I hope you've never come across them. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to be bringing up any of the early videos, Casper. Don't worry. What I wanted to ask you about was yeah. how have you seen the marketing opportunities change over the last decade or so on YouTube? Yeah, I mean. It's been incredible. It's not only the marketing opportunities, but also the different revenue opportunities for creators with an audience. Originally, people made money from AdSense. So that's the pre-roll adverts you watch on YouTube. Or if you have YouTube Premium, they get a, they get a slice of everyone's subscriptions. And then it went to doing brand deals. And, and that's what I got heavily involved in. And in the brand deal space itself, you know, in the beginning, you saw... Pretty good money still, especially when you think that people were doing this for fun. But you saw a couple thousand pounds being offered uh, to to YouTube channels with you know maybe a viewership of a million, and then uh, as it's progressed, it, it's gone to tens of thousands, then hundreds of thousands, and now you're seeing million dollar partnerships with YouTubers. You're seeing YouTubers on Forbes making mil- uh, fifty million dollars a year. And soon, I think we're going to see hundred million dollar plus influencer marketing budgets, and it's interesting. I think it, it is so broad. Some people, you know, when you look at the headlines, you see a lot about, you know, influencer did this or influencer why did that. And uh, there, there, there are some, you know, bad partnerships and, and people n- not doing great collaborations. But there are a lot of people now who, who have been able to turn a hobby or a passion into either a side hustle or their full-time job. And the creator economy is now got tens of millions of people who rely on it and and I and I love that section of it rather than like the celebrity influencer who makes a ton of money for um doing some sort of posts they don't really care about. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know if the right word is giving the marketing around social media credibility, but you're certainly determined to avoid the cowboy techniques that may have been used in the earlier days, aren't you? Does it still need cleaned up or is it a bit more mature now? It's definitely sections of it have matured. And there's more transparency, there's more guidelines. The ASA have, you know, but, you know, they've reached out to people, including Ben, to have his input, my co-founder, and, and help come up with these guidelines to make sure that A, they're being followed, but B, they actually make sense. And so, yeah, I, I think it is it is improving, but there's always, when you're, when you're dealing with a, a market this big and something also fairly new in the grand scheme of things, there's, there's always going to be... Um, people not doing things by the book and that's generally what gets reported on which I completely understand because it's interesting and I I end up clicking on those stories more than the good ones but I yeah I I, I think it's it's certainly improving and it will continue to improve and I think there's massive opportunity for people 
within the space to be able to verify, you know, accuracy, show transparency, and so on. So, for example, a lot of times when brands want to work with creators, let's say off of influencer, and they just want to do it directly, they might go to that creator and say, hey, how are you doing? And they'll reply, I'm good, how are you? And then... <laughs> All of a sudden, they'll be asking for screenshots and people will be sharing information about their audience and so on. And it's all open to manipulation because if you're just sending someone a screenshot that says you get this amount of views or your your audience is this demographic, it's not that verifiable when you're doing it in this more cowboy way, which you, you spoke about. And so I think there's massive opportunity for both us and many other companies out there within the space to, to build the platforms to continue to make it more transparent uh, and less cowboy. And I'm talking about YouTube a lot because that's kind of where you came from. But influencer works across all social media. Is YouTube still the number one for marketing? Or are you looking at areas like Instagram, for example? Are they moving ahead? Yeah, so I'd say it depends on, on the campaign. It depends on the brand and it depends on the audience you're looking for. But we've seen TikTok absolutely explode. Um, and we're very you know proud of our partnership with TikTok. And we, we I love the way in which anyone can be so creative with that platform and they don't need all of the equipment you might need to create a YouTube video. So TikTok's blown up, Instagram's also continued to, to go to go in, in, in its stride. Um, YouTube as well, I mean, it's, it's not only YouTube that we originally knew it as, but it also has YouTube Shorts, so its own kind of TikTok version of YouTube. And, and what we're seeing is all of these platforms coming out with very similar products within them. Um, but we usually, as a, you know, as a as a consumer of these platforms, know them for particular things, and I still think we'll use them for those particular things. But there'll definitely be a massive subsection of 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 people on YouTube who who now use it to watch shorts, which which is great, and it's a new marketing channel too, and it's a new opportunity for people to to build audiences. And yeah, it's, so it's can't really answer your question, but none of those Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, they haven't gone away. Even Snapchat now is coming back. So it is interesting to see the longevity of these platforms. And the question will be, will will new ones crop up? I'm sure they will. Will they be able to survive when these platforms just say, oh, you've got that, a great new product and I can do it as well, if not better. Are we developing an old media then within social media itself? They were the young and up and coming ones and now they're the establishment. Yeah, the, the platforms are certainly established. And then also even some of the creators on, on the platforms have almost been able to establish themselves. Uh, you, you know, you're seeing people like the Sidemen who, who started on YouTube, but they also dominate on other platforms, including TikTok and Instagram, and, and, and now creating their own, you know, Sidemen subscription and, and their own brands off of the platform. And I think it's great how people can continue to, to go. And, and I feel like longevity has improved for creators. Previously, you know, if, if before YouTube and so on, if you were on TV, if you're an actor or actress, you'd have to audition and maybe one of your films didn't do so well and all of a sudden you're no longer getting the roles. Whereas now you can continue to upload no matter what. And even if your numbers dip a bit, maybe you'll you'll have a little bit more luck next year. So I, I think people have you know improved their longevity. Um, so it's exciting to see what comes next. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people with YouTube channels that have almost like movie-like budgets. Thinking back to when you started, though, Casper, does that surprise you that it went so far? Yeah, I... I think I think it it does. I I definitely you know I think it's easy in hindsight to think yeah I could have predicted all of that. But when we were doing it, it didn't feel like the major major studios or or, or the big news networks 
would want to provide their content for free on YouTube. But now, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing everyone, all the traditional publications, uh, having pretty decent YouTube channels. And that does make it difficult for some of the YouTubers who are maybe filling that void on YouTube. So say, for example, fashion. Uh, and now you're seeing the big publications launch their own massive fashion channels and someone maybe had that, that niche for themselves and, and they're having to compete with with thousands of employees uploading daily. But like people like Architectural Digest, for example, I would never have thought when I was starting YouTube they would be uploading such incredible insights to such incredible people's lives uh, through YouTube. I thought that would remain on, on, on print. So if someone's listening to this and they're seriously considering a career as a social media influencer, what's the best advice you can give them? What should they do? What shouldn't they do? So actually, I don't think they should look at social media with that lens of, I want this to become my career. Look, if they want to launch their own network or something and do it in a, in a startup environment and, and, and create it that way, yeah, then, then certainly plan it all out. But if, if you just have a, a passion for social media and you think you want to do it full time, I would just do something that you enjoy doing part time and you would do regardless of whether or not you're being paid to do it because it's going to take so long for it to work unless you're incredibly lucky. And if you were doing it to be successful, or if you were doing it to make money, you'll never last the years and years it's probably going to take before it starts taking off. And even me back when it was probably easier to start, it took two years before I even got a thousand subscribers uh, of, of uploading every single day, interacting with my audience every single day, not doing as much homework as I should have done. And, and that's because I just loved what I was doing. And, and so if I was doing it with, with the end goal of making money or, or doing it full time, I don't think I would have lasted. Without talking about those other YouTube videos because you don't want to. <laughs> happy, happy, happy to. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you want to hear about this. What I did want to hear about or what I did want to ask you is, can you remember the excitement of seeing your views ticking up? Yeah, I mean, that. I think I, I remember having an email address which was linked to my YouTube channel that told me every time I got a subscriber. And I probably got around one or two a day. I might lose a few a day. But every time I got that notification, it, it was a little dopamine hit. And I must say, it is slightly addictive. And you've got to definitely be careful. But what I will say was very interesting, you know, looking back now with perspective is... Even when I got to a stage where my, you know, my videos were getting tens of millions of views, sometimes like two or three million views in a few days, I remember thinking, this isn't enough. I remember thinking, like, everyone else was doing a lot better than I was. And now looking back, I'm thinking, geez, that, that is an incredible amount of views. And before I ever got there, I would have gone, geez, that's an incredible amount of views. But what, what I feel happens with maybe, maybe it's because I was fairly young, uh, and and uh, uh, very competitive. I think you get quite qu quite used to it, and 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 that's something I would just always advise anyone, no matter what level you are on YouTube or on social media or whatever you're doing in life. I don't think this is just when it comes to to numbers on social media. Always try and get some perspective of where you are and what you're doing, and and be grateful because. Uh, you'll you'll probably never end up feeling fully fully satisfied with where you are unless you learn how to get that perspective 
uh, you'll probably always think you could be doing slightly better. And, and as I said, it gets to a stage where even when you're, you know, performing at a high level, you might think you need more. And, and this is something I've learned from a lot of people, not only in social media, but in business and sports and so on. They, they kind of have the same feeling. And, and so I just think in general, try not to derive too much happiness or, or self-worth from those sorts of numbers where possible. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie and say it's not a little dopamine hit when, when something goes viral. As you were giving that answer there, Casper, I was kind of getting the feeling that you yourself came to a conclusion that it was time to walk away from that and do something else. Is that another reason why you did this? It wasn't just the business opportunity. It was something that you realized, I can't continue doing this anymore. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd say so. I, I do want to make it clear, like, it's an, incredi- an incredibly privileged position to be able to walk away from something like that. And there are a lot of situations people are in where it's 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 really difficult. You can't just say, I'm going to do something else because you might rely on it heavily. But I, I knew I, I, I could take take the opportunity to walk away because I was lucky enough to have this other thing that I could do. And as much as I, I, I do love YouTube and, and would love to, you know, do more YouTube in the future again, I do think it's also good to be able to do something else sometimes. You've only got one life and at the end of the day, you know, YouTube is great and, and this is nothing on YouTube, but it is also quite, you know, draining to put your, yourself out there uh, every single day. And, and, and yeah, I, I think that may have, may have played a factor, to be honest. Check out Influencer.com for more details on what Casper's up to. And also look at the Evening Standards business pages for more interviews, features and all the breaking news you need. Those are in the newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. This has been an invitation to meet. It's always a pleasure to meet you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter pretty litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness it's the world's smartest kitty litter Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.